in today's show. We're looking at the news and we're recapping the action in Tuesday's two games. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. This episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out PrizePix.com and use the code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. And we are available on all platforms. There's only two games on. So after yesterday's Megapod, it's only going to be a short one today. There's only the two games on. We're going to do Watford, though. And we're going to cover some news. There's not a huge amount of news because all the injury stuff I covered in the injury show earlier on today. But a few things that are worth mentioning here. The Lakers, uh, they're in shambles. I don't know what's going on. They had a big win over the Jazz yesterday, um, and apparently if they didn't win that, Frank Vogel was going to be fired. Vogel has made subtle shots at Rob Palinka and the players continually in the media all season, talking about how it's been a shittily constructed roster, which is true, and how the players haven't always given the best effort, which is also true. At some point, there's probably some blame on the coaching staff and on him, but then on today, the report came out from uh, Brad Turner at the LA Times that um, your mate, my mate, the worst coach probably in NBA history, Kurt Rambis, is in here influencing rotation decisions and you know, sitting in in coaches' meetings and suggesting that they play more Dwight Howard, more DeAndre Jordan, and I hope it's not true, but playing them together. Like, this is Rambis' solution to everything. Play shit big men. Remember when he was with the Knicks and Ed Porzingis? He's like, I'm going to play Porzingis at the three so we can get a traditional four and five out there at the same time. My guy, you're an idiot. One of the worst coaches of all time, yet continually has a hand in what franchises do. He's uh, got a he got input with the Lakers because his wife is Jeannie Buss's best mate. It is a horribly, horribly run organization who were just lucky to have this success from the 80s and that the best player of all time wanted to go there in LeBron James. And then one of the other best top five or top 10 players in the NBA and Anthony Davis also decided that he liked the color of the laundry that this team had and wanted to come play there. Because that's really it. Because the organization's been a shit show for many, many years. Just look back to the Magic Johnson stuff. All this shit that Rob Polinka's done. The coaching stuff of Byron Scott. Like, just go back to that stuff. The Luke Walton situation. There's just been consistent shit show from this team continually. The move to acquire Russell Westbrook. All of these moves to bring in these veterans who are well past their prime. And I don't know, is Frank Vogel deciding to play them? Or is he being told by, you know, shadow puppet master coaches, Kurt Rambis, that playing DeAndre Jordan and Trevor Ariza and Avery Bradley and Carmelo Anthony is the answer? Uh, These guys have their role. DeAndre Jordan doesn't. But their role, like Avery Bradley is a five-minute-a-night player. Mallow should play 18 minutes and come in as a spot-up shooter. Um, but they're in a disarray. And I don't think Vogel is going to be coaching this team next year. He signed an extension for one year. But the amount of pot shots he's been taking at the organization, and you've got to think he's been really critical in-house as well. And then this stuff coming out with how poorly they're playing and the influence that Rambus has, he's not going to be there next year. He might even get fired this season, but I don't think that's likely, although you know, apparently it was really close. 
just a continual disaster of a franchise that have lucked into the modicum of success they've had over the last 10 to 15 years. Maybe maybe 10 years is more fair. And it's, you know, franchises are just never going to get consistently better even when you have the inherent built-in gigantic advantage that the Lakers have if you just run by completely incompetent fools. And I think that's what's going on with this team. Just a couple of things that I did mention in the injury show, but Paul George is going to have a few more weeks before he is reevaluated again. On the um, injury show, I live reacted to that because that came through as I was recording, and I thought it was bad news. But now I can't really decide whether it's good news or bad news because after his three to four weeks initial rehabilitation, if there was no improvement, I think they would have said, right, we need surgery. But now they've come in and gone, uh, uh, I still don't know. Like, I think it's maybe like neutral. It's obviously not good news because good news would be he's ready to go and return. But it's not the worst news because if it had have just had no improvement at all, they would have been, all right, let's go to surgery. They might still go there and I'm still not convinced that Paul George plays this season. But I think this update is a little bit hard to pass in terms of whether it's good or bad news. I think it's somewhere in between probably leaning towards bad. And of course, we had the news of Miles Turner and his foot stress reaction, probably not back until the All-Star break, after the All-Star break. As for who benefits, it's a really big up and down question. Like it could be Goga. I don't think they're going to play him and Sabonis together as much as they did last game, but maybe they do because that game was not a matchup-based decision because they were playing against a Clippers team that runs literally one big. You know, it was Zubat, Hartenstein, Ibaka, all those guys through one position. They're never playing traditional power forwards. It's Marcus Morris who can pass for a three. It's Nick Batum who can pass for a two. Like they're not running big lineups all the time. So that wasn't the situation where they had to match up big against other teams. They just decided that was what they wanted to do. So I don't really know where that leaves us with Goga or O'Shea Brissett or Chris Duarte, who played 34 minutes. I detailed more of my thoughts on that on the injury pod, but I'm worried if I've got Turner, for sure I'm worried. And Goga is the guy that I would take the flyer on. But who knows? It's very much not clear as to what direction this goes. Time to bring back a Watfo. Thank you to Vincent Joseph for submitting this one. Um, what are the odds that Cleveland are in the Eastern Conference Finals? They've been great. I don't think there's really much chance of them being an Eastern Conference finalist. They've been really good. I would put the Bucks, the Nets, the Heat, the Bulls probably, all ahead of them. Cleveland's been impressive, really impressive, but very hard for me to see them being in the Eastern Conference finalist. Really impressive. Um, Garland, Allen, Mobley, unbelievable. I just don't think they're better than those four teams, and that's going to make it really tough. I've got it at 19%. Let me know what you think down below in the comments. All right. That will take us, for me, time for you to... Oh, that, that is just some of the worst English you'll ever hear. But I'm going to tell you about price picks because they're much better than that English is. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy, and they have got an exclusive no-brainer offer for everyone who listens to this podcast. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Price Picks entry scores a single point, but you've got to use the code NBA. An exclusive offer for locked on fantasy basketball listeners using the code NBA. Price Picks is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. You just pick two to five players, over under on their projections for whatever category. Smush them together, and you can win up to 10 times your entry fee. The entries are fast, withdrawals are safe and easy. It, you couldn't ask for anything more. So, on go, go to pricepicks.com, download the app, and go into that code NBA. You get $50 free if your first PricePix entry scores a single point. That's right. All users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first PricePix entry scores a single point. 
Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, let's look at the top ads across the last 24 hours in fantasy basketball. Number one, John Kaminga up 37%, and then he got the start today, so that was really good. We'll see how that ends up looking, but it makes sense on a low-volume day. Same with Aya Dusumnu, up 26%, not, 26%, not that it's a low-volume day, but still no Levine, still no Lonzo. His minutes are sure to come down because Caruso is returning tomorrow, and I doubt that Dusumnu can have the same level of production, but he's worth a streamer for now. Otto Porter, Kavon Looney, they're streamed in because of today's action. LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, look, he's fine as a fringe 12-team league guy. The Claxon's out again Wednesday. I'm not buying him as long-term at this stage. Chris Duarte is worth a flyer. Corey Joseph for today was a good ad. Malik Beasley was up 10%. Justin Holiday was up 10%. And Malik Beasley only for today, obviously. Holiday, fine, but low upside. And then the tank, Tom Bryant. He was good. I still don't buy him being a long-term 12-team league player. In terms of the top drops, Omer Yetseven was down 35%, happily dropping him. Terrence Ross down 26 Yep, no worries. PJ Washington Jr., um, PJ Tucker down 17 and 16%. Gary Harris and Daniel Gafford down 11%. Fine to drop them in 12-team leagues. Lance Stevenson down 9 Muxy Kleber down 7 Carmelo Anthony down 7 And Kyle Anderson in COVID protocols down 7%. You know what? I just remembered in the notes and news before, I should have mentioned the fact that both Kyle Anderson and Desmond Bain have entered the COVID protocols for the Grizzlies. And you know what that means? It means that I'm adding De'Anthony Melton. And I'm sure I'll get let down again. But no Brooks and no Bain, surely, surely it has to be Melton. Now, Brandon Clark should be added. Melton should be added. And then you can have a look at Isaiah Williams in a deeper format and a Johnny Conchar maybe even in a 14-team league format. But if Taylor Jenkins slash assistant coach of the Grizzlies does not play Melton now, then I don't know what to do. I just don't know where it goes from here, if that is the case. So we will see what they end up doing, but I should have mentioned that a little bit earlier. Let's move on and take a look at the first game of the day. We are looking at the Minnesota Timberwolves getting away with a victory over the Knicks, 1-12-1-10. They were up big, then the Knicks came back and were up, and the, the Wolves end up pulling it out, 1-12-1-10. D'Angelo Russell got into some foul trouble, so played only 25 minutes. But he had 17-2-4 with four threes. Patrick Beverly also got into foul trouble, but played 30 minutes. 7-5-6, three steals and a block on poor shooting. He's still a must-roster player. 33 fantasy points. Led the team in fantasy points today, Beverly. Must-roster player. Towns had 20-5, and, and Edwards had 21-3-3. Good games, but not spectacularly good. While Jalen Noel, again, outperformed Malik Beasley. 23 minutes for Noel, 14-6-3. He's really good at the moment. I really like what he's doing. He was an excellent stream for today. And there is value in him in at least 14 team leagues. While Beasley had 10 points in 17 minutes. And Jaden McDaniels played 19. He had two blocks and a steal. That's who he is. He's like a big man, Matisse Thibel. You want to stream in some defensive stats. And McDaniels can maybe provide that for you. It wasn't a great game from Jared Vanderbilt Bar. He was looking at a Tony Snell at one point. I think in the first half, he had no stats. Ended with 34 minutes, which is very important. Only four points, but had seven rebounds with poor percentages. Not a great game, but I am still looking at him as a must-hold player. For the New York Knicks, the double royal Julius Randle. As has been the case a couple of times this year, missed a couple of key free throws, but 21-9-9, two steals and four blocks. Getting that defensive production out of Randall is unlikely to continue, but it's important and it's really, really good. 
He'd been struggling, but this was a good performance for him. While the diseased scrotum, Evan Fournier played 37 minutes, 27 points, 5 threes, 4 assists, a steal, and a block. There is literally no way of knowing what's happening with Fournier. He played 25 minutes last game. He can be good. He can be shit house. He can be, that sounds like that Mika song that I'm not about to sing. Um, yeah, add him if you want, if you need some scoring, but be feel free to drop him straight after that. Like, it's all over the shop in terms of his production. Kemba Walker returned, and they did it. They did not put him in the, on the bench unit. He's either starting or not playing, it appears. 30 minutes, 19, 2, and 4, four threes. They're going back to Kemba full-time as the starter. You go back to adding him in 12-team leagues. He gets hurt again. He gets rested. You drop him. And when you pick up Kemba, you go and drop Alec Burke. So I'm not going to get to play this sound too much more, it looks like. Alec Burke. 17 minutes, missed all three of his shots, zero points. You can't deal with that while Kemba's playing. And playing Emmanuel quickly nine minutes is embarrassing. Six points in nine minutes for quickly. Uh, he's a guy that, if he played 30 minutes, would be a 12-team league guy. But under Thibodeau, he's just never going to get there, I don't think. And Obi Toppin played nine minutes as well. You're only, you're two good young players. You're playing that few minutes. It's pretty weird that uh, Timmy, Tommy does that. But, you know, that is Tom Thibodeau. Um, <clears throat> Rowan Barrett, the 17-6. and six, It's a very Calden Johnson-y. You look at it and go, that's good. Good start. But 38 from the field, 50% from the line. Shithouse percentages. You have to absorb those. And that's what really dents his 12-team value. He's fine to have if you're just looking for those accumulating points and rebounds numbers, and his value in points leagues is a lot higher than in category leagues. But he's consistently having these efficiency problems, and that's why we're always saying, yeah, not sure he's a 12-team must-roster player, because this continually brings it down, and it does it at volume large enough that it actually makes a pretty significant impact. And that's what we had again here today. Mitchell Robinson fouled out, and Taj Gibson fouled out, and Nerlens Noel was out of the game. Mitchie played 20 minutes for 8 and 6, stinker. Taj had 5 and 4 with 2 blocks, not much better. Robinson still is a 12-team league player, but he's not for everybody. He's not a guy that if he's dropped on the wire, that he makes sense for every team. He has very, very specific things that he does, and that may or may not work for your squad. And in a points league, I wouldn't have thought that Mitchell Robinson's in the best, yeah, best bunch of players that you need to roster. You need to look at your own roster and see who your worst player is and other guys on the wire, but I don't think that Mitchell Robinson should be considered an absolute must-roster player in a points league format, but Built Bar is definitely must-roster because it is the best tasting protein bar ever. You want something that tastes delicious instead of those standard protein bars that you have to hold your nose and pinch it down to try and swallow it down? Like, nobody wants to be dealing with something like that. I know it's good for you, and I know it's what keeps people happy and shredded and yeah, all this stuff, but why don't you do it with a way that tastes great? And throw out your candy bars as well, because those things, they're just trouble. They're high protein, they're high fat. Built Bar is the best of both worlds. Great taste, but high protein and low fat. What a combination. So go to built.com. Look at all of the amazing flavors. Cookies and cream, that's the goat. You want to try that one first. And then get all those other flavors and get them in here and see how they go. Built.com, but use the code LOCK15 and you'll save 15% off your order of Built Bar. Built Bar is built different. Of course, after so long of me saying that the Spurs never make in-season trades, a trade just happened between the San Antonio Spurs and two other teams. Weird stuff. Did not expect that to be what I was talking about now, but we uh, interrupt the regular flow of this program to talk about it. Bol Bol and PJ Dozier go to Boston. PJ Dozier's not playing this season. He won't play probably until the beginning of next season, maybe not, not November, December. Torn ACL. Bol Bol is out for 8 to 12 weeks. That's basically the end of the regular season. The Celtics have done this to save money. That is just all that is. It is a cost-cutting move. They sent out Juancho Hernan Gomez, who wasn't playing. They cut Jabari Parker the other day, who wasn't playing. This is a cost-cutting move, and that's it. Doja can be a valuable contributor for them next season. Like He's a solid enough wing defender. 
um, yeah, not un, not too dissimilar to someone like a, uh, a Romeo Langford, but probably a little, probably well, not probably almost definitely better than what Romeo Langford is. This is literally just a cost-cutting move for Boston this season. Hernan Gomez goes to San Antonio. They are welcoming back Zach Collins pretty soon, and those guys play, I guess, sort of similar roles, but there's no guarantee that there's a role there for Hernan Gomez. Uh, Kader Bates-Diop has been getting the backup minutes behind Doug McDermott. Maybe Collins takes that. Maybe Hernan Gomez takes that. There's no fantasy value here. This is the biggest no fantasy value trade I've ever seen. And then the last guy is Bryn Forbes going from San Antonio to Denver. Now, Forbes might have an impact, in the rotation. There's not huge minutes there, but we've seen the big stiffy Bones Highland push to 30 minutes. Davon Reed's been getting playing time. There's Rivers, that's Compazzo. Someone's missing out. Is it Rivers? Is it Highland because Bones hates rookies? Is it Compazzo? Forbes is going to come in. He'll probably play a rotational. He is a very good shooter. He gives basically as much back the other end and he can't do anything else apart from shoot, but there is value in that. So where does um, yeah does Forbes have any fantasy value? The only impact he really has, I think, is perhaps reducing the impact of Bones. And I'd be less interested in adding Highland now that Rivers is off the injury report and now that Forbes is coming in. It's going to mess things up a little bit. I don't know who loses out. I'd probably, I'd probably take Davon Reed out of the rotation to get some more shooting in, but I could easily take Austin Rivers out of that rotation. I wouldn't take Bones out, but Malone probably will, or at least reduce his minutes. So there you go, a trade. Bol Bol and PJ Dozier to Boston, Juancho Hernan Gomez to San Antonio, and Bryn Forbes to Denver. Doesn't adjust anything for your fantasy leagues. Even probably 20-teamers, the only guy that has an impact there is probably Forbes, and that's it. It does open up a little bit of playing time in San Antonio because uh, Forbes was getting some playing time, so maybe they carve out a regular role for Josh Primo, but I think they'd rather him start in the G League than play regular minutes in the NBA outside of injuries. But it probably boosts the value of Bates Diop because um, he can slide to the three, so can one show. It boosts the value of um, Aloni Walker, um, helps a little bit with Devin Vassell and Trey Jones in particular when he returns from COVID. So there you have it, a trade involving the Spurs. I never thought I would see the day, but here we are. Does this mean that we're going to get a Thad Young deal? Hmm, I don't know. San Antonio getting active. Weird stuff going on in the NBA. All right, so just one, one last thing on that. Forbes has actually been a DMP CD the last two games in San Antonio. So... Yeah, his minutes don't have to be replaced by anybody because he wasn't playing. And yeah, I think he will have maybe a role in Denver, but there's just so many guards there that it's not going to matter for most leagues. Let's now go on to the second game and the last game of the day. The Golden State Warriors, they smashed the Pistons 104-86. The margin was like 30 at halftime, so they got back a little bit. Scooter Magruder. Yeah, all right, cool. 19 points in 22 minutes in his first game back since the rescinded trade. Four threes. I think we pay zero attention to this. Absolutely none at all for Magruder, but we po- might pay a little bit of attention to this for the Flaming Galar. Is that you, Mr. Stewart? Well, who the hell else do you think it'd be? Get in here, you pair of Flaming Galars. And it's probably the most interesting thing from a fantasy point of view today. 28 minutes for Alf Stewart, 14 and 11 with a block, 70%. Now, most of that damage, including 16 minutes, was done in the first half. Um, I don't trust it at all. Olenek's going to return. Stewart's going to be Stewart. Casey's going to be Casey. I don't know what it means. Um, is he worth a grab? I don't know about that. He's 172nd this season, and I don't think he's a must-roster player. Big game from Diallo, 16 and 13 with two steals and a block. 29% shooting is obviously pretty rough, but um, good numbers there. Nice 14-team league guy. While the uh, the sly hog, Cade Cunningham. 
My name is Richie Cunningham. Yeah, he was shit house. Eight points on ten shots, four assists, not much else going there. And the depressed penis was somehow worse. Sadiq Bay, ten points with a rebound and an assist on 23% shooting. He is back now outside the top 125 for the season. In a 10-team league, he's fine, but he's probably got more value streaming that spot. I would hold in 12-team leagues, but he's back to being terrible. Corey Joseph started the second half because Killian Hayes hurt his hip. We didn't hear about that for about two quarters. Joseph only played 24 minutes and had two points with six assists. Yeah, he was a stream option because he'd been playing good minutes. He got solid minutes again and did nothing. Hayes had a nine trillion. He didn't do anything. Just a terrible, terrible night all around. Actually, some some positives, I guess, Saban Lee, who is the guy again. Give him minutes over Corey Joseph. There is zero point in Corey Joseph. Two points for Lee. That's not good. Nine rebounds, four assists, and two blocks. I do not think that Saban Lee is a good plot player. I don't think he's going to develop into a good player. I think he can develop into a solid backup point guard. And we, again, we see flashes of it consistently. But... We just don't get enough opportunities to see that actually flourish in a solid enough full-time role. For now, we wait to see whether Hayes is actually going to miss time. And then maybe in deeper formats, we can add Lee. For the Warriors, Steph, he hurt his hand again. Different hand this time. 18-3-9, three steals and four threes. Still good numbers. While Clay went off, especially early. Ended with 21 points, four assists and two steals. Good numbers for Clay. The minutes are still low. He's still going to be sitting out games. That's always the concern here. But at least he hit shots at a better clip. While Wiggins had 19 points. And John Kaminga started, got into some early foul trouble, played 25, had 12 and 10 with two threes. We saw Otto Porter play 22 minutes as the backup to Draymond. Yeah, you can stream Kaminga. You could stream Porter. But I think that's all they are on low-volume days. They're not must-roster 12-team league players. They're guys that you can add in on days like this. Looney had 10, uh, 10 rebounds sorry, with three assists. He's fine in like a 14-team format, but not a 12-team league guy. Well, Jordan Poole, thank you for all of your service. Get that garbage out of here! He had five points, and the Dr. Gary Payton played only 14 minutes for five points. I think Payton will bump up a little bit, but it is hard to trust him as a 12-team league guy outside of streaming if they're going to be running rotations this way. Let's look at the lines of the night now. The Monstrous goes to the double royal Julius Randle. Your waiver wire is Scooter Magruder, and that's the last I'm going to talk about him. The young gun of the night is Isaiah Stewart, and your dud of the night is... I tell a man's not hot. Alec Berg. Yep, he was shithouse, and I would drop him. The top 10 players today, number one was Julius Randle, followed by Fournier, Curry, Clay, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Magruder, Wiggins, Stewart, and Anthony Edwards. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Magruder, Naz Reed. I don't really care there. Reed's like a deeper league guy. Jalen Noel, 14 teams. Saban Lee, maybe 14 if Hayes is out. Kavon Looney, 14 team. Gibson, no interest. Bielitsa, no interest. Malik Beasley, like 16 teamers, I'd say. Jaden McDaniels, um, again, streaming for defensive stats, but no 12 team value. And Emmanuel Quickly, that's how lean it was when he quickly played nine minutes and got into the top 10 players here. Your top 10 in points leagues. Randall, Fournier, Steph, Diallo, Thompson, Wiggins, Beverly, Towns, Edwards, and Kemba Walker. That will do it for me today, guys. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, nice short show, give it a thumbs up and leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.